Welcome to Point with Daryl Jones, speaker and lead pastor of the Rock Fellowship Church in Miami, Florida, and president of Point Ministries. Our goal at Point Ministries is to point you to the Word of God, where Jesus is the point. Today's message is from the Forever Family series, where Dr. Jones teaches how believers do not relate to one another like family, but we are truly family in Christ Jesus. Now let's join him for today's message. Today we're going to look at a passage that Jesus speaks, and the title today is My Brother's Keeper, because today we're going to look at what Jesus has to say, how he uses us to protect one another from the dangers of sin and how he gives us the process to call a brother or sister in Christ back into restoration when someone has stumbled, when someone has fallen into sin. And it's in Matthew chapter 18, starting at verse 15. Again, today's title is My Brother's Keeper, and the context of what Jesus is talking about is in a flow from him mentioning about the disaster of what it means to cause a child to stumble, the disaster of what it means to cause a child to sin. And then he talks about the lost sheep when, when one loses one of the sheep. One, he leaves the 99, he goes after the one. That's how important it is to go after the wayward person, the one who has walked away from the Lord, go get in their celebration in heaven. And then Jesus gets to this point, and it's all dealing with what we call a lot of times in the church accountability. The unfortunate fact when we talk about accountability in the church is that we've bought into the mentality that the world places on us. The world changes the definition and we get to thinking that if I'm calling someone to accountability, then I'm judging them. That couldn't be further from the truth. We're used to it all over every part of our lives, every single part of our life. And yet, We've bought into the mindset of the world that when it comes to life in Christ, we need to throw that out the window where Jesus gives us specific instructions of how he wants us to help one another grow in Christ-likeness. You know, the point of accountability is to help us grow in Christ-likeness. I mean, the whole purpose is that each of us start to look more and more like Jesus. Not that I look down on you. Not that I make fun of you, not that I'm trying to make myself look better, but that we lift each other up to be more and more like Christ to a dark world. He says, if, and the the, the language he uses here, he says, if a brother might sin against you, might sin towards you, go to him one-on-one. First part is, he says, go to one-on-one. Work it out. If you work it out, he said, you've won a brother, you, 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 you've won your sibling. You know, you got multiple siblings. You know what the parent wants when two of y'all get into it? Can y'all work that out? Or y'all come knocking on my door? Y'all go back in there, talk to each other, get it handled. Because if it come to my door, it's going to be a problem for all y'all. Jesus said, there is something special when one-on-one can come together and work a matter out. One-on-one, you come together. Now, the issue here is not preference, though. The issue here that he's speaking to is sin. 
All right, let's, 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 get this, let's get this straight. We're not talking about opinions. We're not talking about preferences. We're talking about sin. What God has said and walking in disobedience to what God has said. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about a sin issue. Not an opinion issue, preference issue, a sin issue. Sin just means miss the mark. It means miss the mark. Don't mean I got close to the mark. No, miss the mark. We're not talking about almost. We're talking about off. We're talking about sin issue, meaning God says, did, did you do it or didn't you? That's what the issue is here. And I'm stressing that because I want us to understand how this works in the life of not just a believer, but in the world when it comes to going against God's word. In James chapter 1, James writes something that's important for us to grasp. He says, no one undergoing a trial should say, I'm being tempted by God since God is not tempted by evil and he himself doesn't tempt anyone, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire then after desire is conceived it gives birth to sin and when sin is fully grown it gives birth to death we see the apostle Paul writes something the wages of sin is death what does he say he says you can't say the devil made me do it we can't say well God put me in this position he understands my heart he says no there is desire when a desire is conceived it gives birth to action walking against God's word and that brings forth what consequences ultimately, if we continue in this, is death, is destruction, is separation from God. He's letting us know that if this is the situation, go one-on-one to your brother. Go one-on-one to your sister. You're not trying to expose and make fun of or make somebody look bad. It's one-on-one private. And have a discussion. And one of the things I love about the language that he uses, y'all know I'm a nerd, so I like to translate stuff out. He uses a word that he says, you go one-on-one, alone. It's like a stress. And then it says this. He says, it says that, that you convict your brother. Meaning he says, use persuasion to get them to say, yeah, man, I was, I was wrong for that. That's the purpose, to like to acknowledge. Like, and then he says that if you can get them to that point that says that you have regained you have restored your brother you have restored your sister now Jesus earlier taught the way we do this too is was one-on-one in in Matthew 7 we got verse 1 that love to be quoted but people don't like to go to verse 5 verse 1 it says don't judge lest you be judged people love to quote that one they 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 just conveniently forget about verse 2 verse 3 verse 4 and verse 5 But all of those verses speak towards, all five of those verses speak towards, he says, I'm going to summarize it. He says, don't judge lest you be judged. You see a speck in your brother's eye and you got a log in your eye, you need to get that log out your eye first. Then go take the speck out your brother's eye. What he's saying is, don't be a hypocrite. Don't tell somebody, man, you need to quit quit cheating on your spouse and you cheating on your taxes. Parents. You can't tell your kids when they answer your phone and the person you don't want to talk to and say, tell them I ain't here. And then the next thing you turn around, you're getting on them about doing something in the house they're not supposed to be doing. They're like, oh, mama, you got me lying for you and then you want me to, it's like, we got, we got, the whole thing he says, we can't be hypocrites about it. Now, this, ain't, this is not self-righteousness we're talking about either. We're talking about trying to walk with the Lord. 
We're talking about walking with the Lord. We're talking about what Christ has done for us, how we've been delivered from slavery to Satan, from slavery to sin, and now we can walk in his truth. And he's saying when we see a brother or a sister that are caught up, that are ensnared, one of the things that by the power of the Holy Spirit that we've been given power to repent, to turn from. This is what the blood of Jesus has done. He saved us from our sins. This is good news. This is why in Galatians 6.1, I got us reading some verses today. He says, brothers and sisters, if, any, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual, restore such a person with a gentle spirit, watching out for yourself so that you also won't be tempted. All these verses speak to like, look, out of compassion, out of our love for Christ and compassion, if someone sins against us, if we have a brother or a sister in Christ that's caught in the wrongdoing, we go to them one-on-one and we try to work things out for the glory of God so that we can now walk in his light. This is what Jesus is saying. And one of the things I love about these passages is that Jesus is teaching us how to keep this whole situation as small as possible, as long as possible. It's not about just trying to out somebody and make somebody look bad. It's about saving someone from destruction. And I'm stressing this first thing about one-on-one for a reason. Because it's easier for us to get our defenses up when somebody comes at us, right? Somebody come at us about something and we're in a disagreement, it's easy for our defenses to go up. But when it's one-on-one with a gentle spirit that he speaks of right here, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6, that it, it can disarm a brother and sister. And now you can have an open and honest type of conversation. One of our problems is that we don't take sin as serious as the Lord does. We, we categorize it. Well, it ain't that bad. I'm not doing that. And we miss the consequences. You can choose your sin, but you can't choose your consequence. I mean, you can decide what you're going to do, but you can't choose what's going to come after. And a whole lot of people have suffered things that they never imagined and never intended because you can't choose your consequence. And this is something else about sin that'll, that'll get you. Sin will take you further than you want it to go. It will make you stay longer than you want it to stay. And it will make you pay a whole lot more than you wanted to pay. Don't play with the devil. Don't play around with him. And Jesus has given us ways to grow past this when he says go one-on-one so that you may regain, you may restore, you may you, you ultimately save your brother or your sister from destruction. James 5, he says, my brothers and sisters, if any among you strays from the truth, and someone turns him back, let that person know that whoever turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save his soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. This is serious, y'all. This is not for us to be like detectives, though. We're looking up under, we're trying to examine everybody's life around us. Because notice he says, if the sin is towards you. Now, it's two ways of understanding this, because in this language that's used is, is one, if it's been towards you, and if it's something you know about. So it's not for you to come guessing and start interrogating somebody to find if something's wrong. That is not your job and that is not your place. More from Dr. Jones in a moment. But first, during this month, you can request your MP3 download of the sermon series, Forever Family, with your donation to the ministry. 
This is a great resource where Dr. Jones teaches how believers do not relate to one another like family, but we are truly family in Christ Jesus. Go to daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org to give and request your copy today. Now let's rejoin Dr. Jones for the rest of today's message. The one-on-one accountability. But then Jesus goes on and he moves towards group accountability. He says, if, if your brother, if your sister don't, they don't listen to you, they don't want to hear it, take two or three with you. And this, this is important. We're talking about a group. We, we have things in our legal system. We, you can go to court or they got another side where you can go to mediation. This is kind of that mediation thing because in mediation, you get a, a, a third party, whether that be one person or a couple of people, and they listen to the case and they examine all the facts. And then they make a rule and all, right? Like this, this, is, this is what it is and this is what it should be. That, that's mediation. Now, they're not a judge. It's not a courtroom. But they are examining the facts. This is something that Jesus is bringing up that's important because the goal of this whole process is restoration. That's the goal of it. And notice it says that all the facts be established. And he quotes from the Old Testament. He quotes from Deuteronomy 17 and uh, Deuteronomy 19 in regard to two or three witnesses because it's not about opinion. It's saying that, hey, either they know about it or they understand the situation. Let's make things right. Notice Jesus is trying to keep things as small as possible, as long as possible. Jesus is not trying to put people on blast. Now, we do this. I try to teach this in our own house because, remember, we're talking about family, right? We're talking about in the church. We are forever family. Group accountability. He's talking about a, a brother or a sister. And there are ways that the Holy Spirit leads us in these type of situations, meaning if there is something that's happened and one-on-one didn't work. We bring one or two. Now, we, we're talking about family God. We're not talking about us uh, outside. We're not talking about some folk that don't know the Lord. We're not talking about just bystanders. We're talking about people that are in the body of Christ. We're talking about brothers and sisters coming together who have professed faith in Christ. And we bring one or two with us so that the facts can be established, so that Truth can be manifested so that your brother or your sister can be won over to the truth to now repent and walk in the light of Christ. That's the purpose of this process. That's the purpose of why he's saying this. Now, the two or three are not coming to take one or the other person's side. The only side that they own is God's side. Well, my favorite one of the things that make me understand this the most is when Joshua was about to lead the troops into Jericho in the nation of Israel. And Joshua walked up and he was standing looking at Jericho and he says he saw an angel. He walked up, the angel told him to take his shoes off his holy ground. And Joshua asked the angel and said, whose side you on? I'm paraphrasing. Joshua was basically like, are you with them or are you with us? Are you with their army or are you with our army? And the angel basically responded, was like, uh, I'm the captain of the army of the Lord of hosts. What he was saying was, I'm not on now one of y'all's side. I'm with the Lord. Whose side you on? Are you on the Lord's side or are you on your own side or are they on their side? 
Whose side you on? When we talk about bringing two or three witnesses, we're talking about two or three witnesses that's coming impartial to the parties that they're only standing when it comes to what God has said. This is one of the things I love to share whenever I do premarital or even marital counseling. I come in and sometimes one of the spouses don't want to be like, oh, the pastor going to be on your side. I'm like, actually, I'm not on now one of your side. I want the Lord glorified. So if he wrong, if she wrong, whoever wrong, let's get right under the Lord. That's what the two or three witnesses are for. And remember, these are brothers and sisters in Christ. We talked about what that means to be brothers and sisters in Christ. We're t- we've talked about how important this is in us walking this life out as family, the family of God. And the two or three help with, it might not even have been a, as big an issue as you thought. It might have been a misunderstanding. The whole thing is to clear the air so that God be glorified. This is the process that Jesus is calling us as the church to embrace in our lives. As disciples of Christ, these are are Jesus' words. These are Jesus' commands to handle this situation. And if the two or three witnesses does not work, what did Jesus say? The last step is take it to the church. Take it to the church. This can be understood as twofold. It can be the church leaders or it could be the church together at large. That doesn't necessarily mean uh, bring, him, bring him up in, in Sunday service in front of everybody. Now, Because it's Sunday service, you got believers and unbelievers present. It may be a situation where it's the leaders. It may be a certain situation where it's the pastor. It may be the, the elders and the deacons. It may be a situation where there's a church called meeting. I've seen this played in awesome ways because what does Jesus say here? He makes a statement that... The purpose of this whole thing is for repentance and restoration. The purpose of it even going to the church is that everything be decided that it lines up with the word of God, with the confession of Christ. And if it's outside of that, we rebuke that. Rebuke it means we call a spade a spade and we call them back into Christ. And it says if they refuse the church, if they refuse to hear from the body, if they refuse to hear on this sin issue, it says then you regard them as a Gentile and a tax collector. You're like, Jesus is harsh. But you got to understand what's being said here. It says that if they refuse every level of restoration to come back into Christ, then they are now acting as if they don't know Christ. They are refusing Christ. And it says that they are now going into a different level of intimacy within the body of Christ. This is not a call to mistreat or shun, so to speak. Because when he says treat him like a Gentile and a tax collector, this is Jesus talking, right? We're looking at Jesus' speech, right? How did Jesus treat Gentiles and tax collectors? Have you read the Gospels? Did you see how Jesus treat people? How did Jesus talk to Gentiles and tax collectors? What did Jesus do? Jesus walked with uh, Gentiles and tax collectors. He talked with them. He visited with them. He sat down and ate with them. And everything he did was an attitude of bringing them to him. Everything was about bringing them back to Jesus. So the attitude that we have is in Matthew 11, 19, we said we have a friendly relationship. It's not the same type of intimacy with a brother and sister at all. It's the same thing that Jesus is saying here. It's not that we are cruel 
As a matter of fact, we see that Jesus was even called out for being loving and friendly. So it's not to mistreat. It's that to understand that, well, maybe they need to be, instead of discipleship, it might need to be evangelism. They might need to be one to the Lord. This is what Jesus is saying here, and this is why it's so huge. We keep it as small as possible, as long as possible, for the purpose that we help somebody grow Restore and walk in Christ likeness. That's that church accountability. And Jesus, y'all, is working in the church. He's working in the church. These last couple of verses, sometimes they get used out of context. They get used like they're on their own when actually it's in the context of restoring a brother or sister back into right standing and walking with the Lord. Jesus makes... Some strong statements here in these last couple of verses when he says, whatever you bound on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, loose in heaven. If two of you on earth agree, no matter what you pray for, you'll get it from my Father in heaven. Where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm there among them. Remember how Matthew's gospel starts and he speaks about Jesus being Emmanuel? Remember what Emmanuel means? God with us. The incarnation, God with us. Jesus is now speaking of what it means to be God with us in the body of Christ, that when two or three are gathered together in the name of Jesus, he's in the midst. And what's the midst of what he's talking about here is he's talking about making decisions in the name of Jesus Christ. He's speaking towards his involvement in the church to walk out Church in Christ-likeness. And he speaks of what you bind on earth will have already been bound in heaven and what you loose on earth would have already been loose in heaven. You know what he's saying there? He's speaking some strong language that we don't like to think about the church. We don't like to think about the authority that Jesus has given the church. And I'm not talking about the Rock Fellowship. I'm talking about the church, meaning the body of Christ. Those who have come together by professions of faith that we have been authorized in the name of Jesus and he is working in us as we call out Christ's likeness. This is why he says that if we call sin, sin, where we're just acknowledging what Jesus has called, we're binding that up. It's already been done in heaven. And what we lose on earth, that's already happened in heaven. We are just getting on board with What Jesus has already said, what Jesus has already decided. So it's not like we as a church make up rules. All we do, and it's not about rules. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about walking in Christ. This is Jesus' rescue plan to rescue your brother, to rescue your sister from destruction. That's what this whole thing is about. And Jesus wants us to take this seriously because he is serious about us being unified. He is serious about us being pure. He wants us to take our purity in Christ seriously. And he goes over it over and over and over again. Don't play with sin because it will take you further than you want to go. It will make you stay longer than you want to stay. It will make you pay than you want, more than you want to pay. And it could cost you your life. That's why Jesus says that when we as the church make a decision, when we are judging sin as sin, and yes, I'm using the word judging because we're calling people to accountability. We're calling our brothers and sisters to Christ-likeness. 
Jesus makes a statement at the end of the gospel before he ascended back to the Father. He told the disciples, it's the same command for us. It's not just to the original apostles because of the fullness of the statement. But he says, look, he commands them in Matthew 28, 19. He commands them to make disciples. And he tells them the three ways to do it. He says, you go. So that means you go out and you got you to tell people about Jesus. He says, you baptize them, you get to identify, they accept Jesus. And then you teach them to obey all that I've commanded. And I am with you until the end of the age. That's what Jesus said. A lot of times it's popular. We go, we're going to go tell people about Jesus. We're going to share our faith. We're going to get them baptized. And then that part on teach them to obey, that's that's, that we call sanctification. That's that growth in Christ that we are constantly helping one another to walk in that word we don't like to use today, obedience to Christ. And he says, and I'm with you. I'm with you. We see a brother or sister going down a road that they're not supposed to be on. Go one-on-one. Bring them back. Hold them by the hand. Walk with them. Now, get get two or three more brothers and sisters with you. Encourage them. Walk with them. If not, bring bring them to the church. Maybe they listen to the church. Maybe they listen to the church leaders. If not, then we're going to continue wholeheartedly to share the gospel with them. Because we want to see them know Christ and walk with Christ. Thank you for listening to Point with Daryl Jones. This was just one part from the series Forever Family, where we learn how believers do not relate to one another like family, but we are truly family in Christ Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you, we invite you to donate to Point Ministries today and request your copy of the Forever Family sermon series on MP3 please visit daryljones.org. That's D-A-R-Y-L jones.org. Your financial generosity keeps us on the air and we are grateful for your faithfulness. And remember, keep making Jesus the point.